Welcome to Jabber, and the episode entitled Explorers and Horses. The expedition began in the spring of 1804. At least, that's when it first began as a journey. They had been planning it for long before that. In fact, this was the third time such a journey had been tried. It was a task to complete what Christopher Columbus had begun, exploring the New World. It was launched on the Missouri River just above St. Louis, and it would last for almost two and a half years. Forty-five men, including one slave, a 55-foot keelboat, two smaller boats, and a 160-pound Newfoundland dog named Scannon. The requirements for those hand-picked to travel on this exploring expedition were as follows, quote, healthy, unmarried, accustomed to the woods, and capable of bearing bodily fatigue of considerable degree, end of quote. a massive sum of money for that day, had been procured for the journey. Food, silver, and items to trade with the Indians were also brought along. And then there were the weapons. Fifteen brand new Harper's Ferry rifles, a swivel gun mounted on the keelboat, and an experimental gun that operated on compressed air which was brought along to impress the Indians. 24 tomahawks and 24 scalping knives. Medical supplies, paper for maps, and lastly, 30 gallons of whiskey. The sum total of what these 45 men would need to take them into another world. Their leaders were fearless, connected, and young. Clark was rugged, six foot tall, and 33 years old. Lewis, the expedition's captain, was only 29. Lewis was also rugged, six foot tall, and very well educated for his day. He had been personal friends with Thomas Jefferson, And when the latter was elected president of the United States, Lewis became his private secretary. He was a man on a mission. The United States, at that time, ended at the Mississippi River. The land west of the Mississippi, in fact, from the Mississippi River to the Continental Divide, was owned by the country of France. And since the land could and would be brought, uh, bought from Napoleon Bonaparte, President Jefferson wanted to know what they were buying for $11 million. And so, Captain Meriwether Lewis was chosen, and he, in turn, chose 2nd Lieutenant William Clark. The goal 
was to explore the newly purchased territory, to explore its waterways, create maps, observe its soil, define its minerals, observe its animals, its climate, its prevailing winds, the dates that plants were fruitful, its insects, its birds, its reptiles, and then list the names of the Indian nations, their numbers, their languages, their occupations, diseases, morality, and religions. It was an expedition that would define and illustrate the spirit of the newly formed United States of America. Along the way, two men deserted. One, a Frenchman, was never found. The second was caught, tried, and after begging for leniency, was granted exactly that. He was run through the gauntlet only four times instead of ten. On the exploration, one man, Charles Floyd, would die of a ruptured appendix. He would be the only one to die during the entire 28-month expedition. And while we could discuss the details of this time period for hours and perhaps days, I would like to skip ahead chronologically, not to the end of the exploration, but to a time far beyond that. Colonel Meriwether Clark had lost everything. Well, at least almost everything. A couple of thousand dollars was left in his bank account. He had stashed about $14,000 worth of hard liquor, if you can imagine that. But that was it. That was all that was left of Colonel Clark's once fabulous fortune. Heavy losses in the stock market were partly to blame, but mainly it was what he had lost at the track, both financially and emotionally, and I'll explain that in a moment. The colonel arrived in town on the brink of ruin, as you have learned, in the spring of 1899. Folks that greeted him would later comment that he seemed despondent, but that was understandable wasn't it? Colonel Clark had come to serve as presiding judge of Montgomery Park, the local racetrack. So he checked into a local hotel, went to his room alone, shut the door, and sometime during the night, he pulled a pistol from his valise, walked to the window in his dark room, and stood there looking out at nothing. No one knows just how long he stood there before placing the gun muzzle against his head and squeezing the trigger. The next morning, they found him lying in a dried pool of his own blood. He was 53 years old, and thus, it would seem, concludes his life story. Or does it? Meriwether Lewis Clark Jr. 
was reared by two rich uncles, Henry and John. As a young man, Clark pursued a career in banking before his lifelong infatuation with horse breeding and horse racing blossomed into an uncontrollable passion. Bankrolled by his rich uncles, Meriwether traveled abroad and learned the racing business and then returned home to promote his dream, a racetrack of his own. Once again, his uncles financed him and the track was built. Events based on the classic horse races were conceived and scheduled. One particularly exciting six-day series of races was about to begin. It would be annual. It would be amazing. Meriwether ruled his roost sternly. He kept the bookmakers away from his establishment. He upheld the track rules rigidly, often even annoying participants. He was once even shot and wounded by a local breeder whom he had disqualified for depositing his entry fee tardily. And yet, as much as Colonel Clark loved the business, he was not an outstanding businessman. For while he accepted no salary for running his racetrack, he showed no profits either. In fact, to keep it running, he had to absorb the losses personally. And after 19 years, he was financially and emotionally spent. He even had to sell his beloved racetrack to get out of debt. But life without that track, well, just didn't seem like much of a life at all. So you know how it ended with Clark's suicide in a Memphis, Tennessee hotel, April 22nd, 1899. But looking back over 120 years, who would dare call him a failure? For Meriwether's rich uncles, who made their nephew's dream come true, he honored them by naming his racetrack for them. Henry and John Churchill. The track? Churchill Downs. And the opening race of Colonel Clark's spectacular annual event? Well, you know about that too. For the Colonel, who was the son of one of America's greatest explorers, a man named after his father's friend and companion, Meriwether Lewis of the famed duo Lewis and Clark. The Colonel who died brokenhearted never imagined the spectacular success of that six-day event or the opening race of that six-day event. The race? The Kentucky Derby. You heard it on Jabber. Please subscribe wherever you are listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcast, please leave us a five-star review. That helps us so very much. Also, if you'd like to reach out to the show, you can reach us by emailing jabberpodcast at gmail.com. That's J A 
brpodcast at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for listening.